0: The kingdom of our world has become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. God's word for us this morning in this message is recorded in the Gospel of Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. What I hold in my hands right now is the Old Testament book of Psalms in its original language, Hebrew. And one of the first things that you notice about Hebrew is that the letters just look, really funny, at least to our uh, English eyes, our English-speaking eyes, you might say, uh, that they are completely different from the English letters that we are used to. And then I think the second thing you notice about Hebrew is that it reads from right to left, backwards as far as our manner of thinking. So, for instance, here we are at Psalm 1, and you got to go to the right side of the page, and then you read it over to the left. And, And it really gets weird when you open a Hebrew book, like this one, for the first time. Because in order to go to the beginning of the book, you have to turn to what we think of as the back. And then you go from right to left, backwards through the book until you get to the beginning? No, it's not backwards. You're starting at the beginning. You're going to the end. It's just Hebrew. That's the way it is. Now, I bring this up because there was a time when Martin Luther, who uh, knew something of Hebrew, being the Bible translator that he was, he once compared the ways of God in your life and in my life to a Hebrew book. God writes a new chapter in our life and we're all mixed up about it. We can't figure it out. It's like this is not the way we would have written it. It's completely backwards to us. Uh, We wouldn't have written it this, this way. It's going from right to left. This is not the way that we would have planned it. But then when he gets us the end of the story and shows us that his purposes have been accomplished. Well, then it makes sense. Don't you think the disciples in that boat with Jesus were having the same kind of experience? Everything that they had come to know about being with Jesus was backwards that day in the boat. Here they were with the one who who, uh, they assumed was always going to be there to protect them, to watch over them, and not only... not not only were they quite certain that they were about to lose their lives in his presence, he didn't even seem to care. He was sleeping. It was backwards. It must have been as confusing as it was frightening for those disciples, but at the end... When Jesus acted and when he showed them his purpose, things became a lot clearer. I think it would be good for each one of us to get in that boat with the disciples, with each other, to ride the waves with Jesus and to learn from this word of God once for all. Jesus stills the storms. He always does. And if we would let him, if we would allow him to be, he's always the storm stiller, not only in our lives, but also in our faith. Now, when you're reading in your Bible and you come to Mark chapter 4. It's good to know the context. And the general context is this Jesus is in the first, he's toward the end of his first year of a three year earthly ministry, and he is extraordinarily popular. Everybody wanted to see him. Now, why was that? There's a couple of good reasons. First of all, Jesus spoke the word of God in a way that was different from all the other preachers, from all the other religious leaders of the day. He spoke the word of God with authority and with power. For for instance, Jesus didn't just like, when, when people had questions about their lives, Jesus didn't just raise other questions He answered their questions from the word of God. And that was different. People noticed that. And then here's another thing. He authenticated his message. He backed it up with miraculous signs. He'd perform miracles. And so everybody wanted to see him. Everybody wanted to hear him. People just wanted to touch him. Now, that would tire you out, right? If you were under that kind of pressure all the time, well, Jesus is 100% human being, just like you, even though he's also 100% God. And as a real human being, he was tired too, and he needed a break. And so when he says in this word of God, let's go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, you know what, he, he was just looking for a break. That trip to the other side of the Sea of Galilee in the boat, that was going to give him a break, a, a much-needed break as it appears because look at how fast he just falls asleep. And then, pow! That storm. Now, did 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 uh, storms pop up on the Sea of Galilee from time to time? Yeah, a lot actually. But this one must have been a whopper, because you've got some pretty experienced fishermen who are fearing for their lives. And when you are frantically fearing, you forget things. Like they forgot that Jesus had promised that he was going to make them fishers of people, that he was going to make them missionaries. And here, they weren't even close to being done with their missionary training. In other words, it wasn't their time to die. It wasn't their time to go. They forgot that. They also forgot all of the times they had already seen Jesus and and felt Jesus care for people in their distress. They forgot that. They developed amnesia about about Jesus' providence as the water came in over the sides. And the only thing that they could think to do was to rudely lash out at Jesus. Don't you care? Don't you care that we are going to die here? Oh, those naughty disciples. It's a good thing we never talk to Jesus that way. Oh, wait, we do. We do. Don't you care, God, don't you care that I don't have the job that I want, that I don't have the amount of money that I want, that I don't have that that special somebody in my life that I want? Don't you care, God, that I'm sick and that I'm not feeling better? Don't you care that I'm at the limit of my pain? Don't you care, God, that my child's heart is being broken by all of the rude and nasty things that she has to hear at school? Don't you care, God? You could put an end to it right now. Don't you care? And when our prayers to God are like that, they're not really prayers, are they? They're like accusations. Nevertheless, when the Lord of the universe was confronted with that accusation from his disciples, what did he do? He got up and he showed his miraculous power. He rebuked the wind and the waves. He stilled the blustery sea. You see, the Lord of creation has power over his creation and he wanted his disciples to know that. And not only that, he wanted them to know that he cares for them. Even though they were convinced that his sleeping in the back of the boat proved that he didn't care for them. Now, what do we learn from this, brothers and sisters? That that, uh, there will never be a time in our lives quite like this storm for the disciples where we feel completely helpless? Well, of course not. That's not what we learn because we've already experienced times like that, I think. And God never promises us that in his word. What does he promise? What does the storm stiller say to you? I am with you always. Even when I'm in the back of the boat sleeping, I'm with you. I'm there. And I know. I know what you're going through. I know what you're experiencing. I know exactly how long this storm is going to last, and I know exactly what I am going to accomplish through it. You know, one of the uh, one of the great ways in which my faith has grown. By being a pastor, is by talking to people like you, by talking to Christians over the years who have shared with me their stories of how Jesus accomplished something, even though they thought they were losing control. I cannot tell you how many times I have heard. I really cannot count all the times that I have heard from people like you, Lord, or excuse me, Pastor, I, don't, I, I really was not ready to give everything over to the Lord. I really was not ready to give him all of my cares and all of my concerns until he allowed this to happen to me and the this is usually something that we would not consider good it's a shock or a sadness or a disease or an illness but here's the thing the same Lord who stood up in that boat and he stilled the wind and the waves he wants to stand up in your life, in the midst of your storm, whatever it is, so that you can see his power and you might trust his power. Now, I don't know if it was Sea of Galilee worthy, but there was a storm in Milwaukee this past Monday And it was, as uh, an old gentleman that I knew used to call such storms, a real gully washer. And the wind was blowing and the rain came down and there was flash flooding and limbs from trees fell down and sometimes whole trees toppled over and there was damage and there is cleanup afterwards. There's always, cleanup. Jesus is interested in that too. Because after that storm on the Sea of Galilee, which he stilled, he then wanted to do some cleanup. And it wasn't like the dead wood lying around. It was the dead faith in his disciples' hearts that he wanted to clear away. And and that's the way it is with our Savior. Not only is he looking to still the storm in our lives, but he, he wants to still the storms where they can be even more furious and even more frequent, and that's in our faith. And he asked them some questions. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? You know, it occurs to me that Jesus rebuked the wind and the wave, but he didn't really rebuke the disciples. He, he asked them questions because he wanted them to learn something from this. He wanted them to learn about their relationship with him from this episode. And the way that he asks the questions is so very important. And so I'm going to read them again, and I'm going to emphasize one word in each question. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? You see, the the storm is over. The wind and the wave completely died down. Uh, it, it is calm. The, the water is like glass out there on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus' question is not, hey, why were you so afraid when it looked like the boat was going to be capsized? No. What he's concerned about is, why are you so afraid even now after you have seen my power in your life do you still have no faith what is the lord asking us when he asks for faith like that it's not just a, a like a head knowledge It's not just an intellectual acknowledgement that Jesus of Nazareth is really strong. He can do a lot of stuff. It's not even simply an intellectual acknowledgement that Jesus is who he says he is, which is the very son of God. No, when, when Jesus asks for faith, When he asks about our faith, what he's looking for is a trust that in him, God's saving power resides. God rescues people through Jesus in every way. And with that trust in in God's rescuing power through Jesus, you see, after the storm stopped raging around the disciples, there wouldn't be such a storm of doubt inside the disciples. But it's hard, right? I mean, it's hard to do this. It's hard to have faith like that in every circumstance of life. I think we know this because we've all been there. You know, we are the first to exclaim, God is so good to me. When, uh, for instance, even the doctors say, it's a miracle that you healed the way that you did. Or uh, your loved one, perhaps your child, is safe in a terrible accident and the first responders say, that was a miracle. Or um, there are just uh, income sources that come from nowhere, it seems, in order to keep us afloat financially, and we say, that's a miracle. Or just this, like, like when things are just going well in our family, and all we feel is love, and it, it, it's easy to say, God is good. At a time like that. But then Jesus sits back down. He stilled the storm. He showed his power. And what are we doing? We're still worrying. We're still worrying about our health, about our safety, about being provided for. These are the storms of faith that rage within us. And they pop up when we focus less and less on Jesus and more and more on anything but Jesus including the so-called problems for which we have no answer. And I'll tell you this, when the object of our faith, and that's Jesus Christ, when the object of our faith becomes smaller and smaller in the lens of our heart, well then, so does our faith in him. Oh, for a faith that will not shrink, we sing in a hymn. What's the secret to keeping Jesus big in your heart, to truly believing that God is good all the time? Well, I'll tell you where it won't come from. It won't come from us yelling at each other and screaming, hey, you got to believe harder. You got to believe more. A full-grown faith in Jesus the kind that he was looking for from his disciples on the Sea of Galilee that day, the kind he's looking for right now in this church, it can only come from Jesus. And he doesn't rant it into our hearts. He doesn't scream it into our hearts. He speaks tenderly to us. He speaks lovingly. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And what does he say to you in his word? What does he say to you in his sacraments? I'm with you. I am here. And it doesn't matter if you feel high or low at any given time. I am still here, and my saving power does not diminish according to the way that you feel. When you're feeling high or low, it does not matter because you see, nothing can change what I have done for you. Jesus says, nothing can change my going to the cross for you. Nothing can change my rising from the dead for you. Those things cannot be changed. And no matter what the storm is that rages within our heart, whether it is fueled by Satan's lies, as it often is, whether it's fueled by the world's anti-Christian ways, which it often is, which, whether it's fueled by our own pangs of conscience, which it often is, it does not matter, it can't change what Jesus has done for you. And so he says, trust in me. Trust in me, not just for a better life, but for eternal life. And so that's how Jesus is the answer to the storms in our faith. Worry melts away the more we remember how completely he takes care of us eternally. The story is told of a, a, a ruthless, bloodthirsty. Persian king by the name of Xerxes, who in the fifth century BC uh, had the, the greatest military force in the world, and he was planning on taking over Greece, and he had his huge navy assembled there in the Aegean Sea. But because an unexpected storm arose, Almost his entire navy was wiped out. And so, what Xerxes did the next day is he ordered his army to come down to the water and with whips and chains lash the sea, punish the water because nobody double-crosses Xerxes like that. Sorry, Xerxes. The water felt no pain, and the wind does not listen to you. There is only one man who has ever walked this earth to whom the wind and the waves listen. And we saw his power today, and I pray that we see his power in our lives every day as he holds us up in times of crisis, yes. But I also pray for each one of us that we would feel his power to still the storms of our faith. Friend, let Jesus stand up and rebuke, not you, But rebuke your worry. Rebuke your doubt as he speaks gently and tenderly to you and he tells you one more time, I gave myself for you. You are my child and there is no storm that can change that. Amen.